Hey everybody, this is Jeremy here. Um, we have a couple announcements for the future of our podcast, and they're really exciting announcements. Um, number one, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram. We have a lot more listeners than we do followers on Instagram, and we know who you are. So do it. And then our second announcement is that we will be doing our very first live event hosted by Inside Quotes this coming January, uh, I think the 21st. So if you are in the Bowling Green area and you want to attend this live event, hit us up on Instagram at Inside Quotescast. But you got to be followed first. So that's all I've got. Let's get on with the show. Christmas from Inside Quotes, the show where my brother and I rewatch, review, and relive the staples of our childhood. This is episode 74, and I am your host, Jeremy, and with me today is my older brother, Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Quack, quack, everybody. It's good to be back on the show, and I'm really excited for today's episode, and really the next few episodes, because we're going to be covering Ooh. some of our most stapliest Christmas movie staples of our childhood. Oogie boogie. I mean, um, jingle bells. But anyways, yeah, today we are covering our second Donald Trump movie. Eat your heart out, Ronald Reagan. Trump has been in more staples than you. That's a joke because Ronald Reagan was an actor before he was president. And technically so is Donald Trump. So, yeah. All right, too political for the show. Back off, back off. <laughs> but the movie we're covering is Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. So this movie came out in 1992, pretty soon after Home Alone 1. The, go the go-to when we don't know what to say next. So this movie <laughs> came out in 1992. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. So in our first year, we covered Home Alone 1, and that was such a good one. Um, if you haven't yet listened to that episode, go watch Home Alone 1, because it's the Christmas season. And then afterwards, go listen to that. But first, listen to this. Home Alone 2, the episode. When I think of this movie, um, I think of, there's like an Aziz Ansari stand-up bit about this, where he's talking oh, really? about like the access we have to the internet, and just talking about the most random things that like he would Google sometimes, and he'd be like, hmm, sometimes I wonder, like, hmm, did Home Alone 2 make more money than Home Alone 1? Hmm, let me look that up on Wikipedia. <laughs> Dang, it really did, though! <laughs> I feel like I relate to that like really hard though. I just have these really <laughs> random things about movies and I'm like, oh, let me look that up on Wikipedia. IMDB is our friend through and through. What a true friend. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we know for a fact that Aziz Ansari is a fan of the Home Alone series. I mean, who isn't? It's an American staple. And uh, some would say it might may even be the stapliest of all staples of Christmas movie sequels. If we're getting that niche. <laughs> and everyone knows my love for the original Home Alone movie because I fought hard for that to be a winner of our staple oh, bracket year one, 2020. 
OG Staple Awards. It did not make it to the end. It lost to National Treasure. But yeah. we shall see if Home Alone 2 will do better in the ranks for the staple bracket. And spoiler alert, it will not. <laughs> it probably won't, because <laughs> obviously Home Alone is better than this one. But this one gave a valiant effort. I will say that. So yeah, if you also want to participate in this year's Staple Awards, this come January, it's going to be at our live event, but we might also have some social media leading up to the final round. So um, we'll have it. stay tuned for those Instagram polls. So Jeremy, before we, before we dive into this movie, do you want to talk about the Home Alone franchise as a whole? I certainly do. Um, okay. Are you saying we should rank these or what? Well, I think specifically what I'm getting at is we have some opinions about at least the first three Home Alone movies. Now, since then, there has been additional Home Alone movies made, which are not canon in my opinion. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, so far, I believe there's five plus the new one that came out last year. Right. And I um, haven't seen any of anything beyond three. I have not seen. Okay. Uh, we started to watch the last one. Yeah, it started playing the other night after we yeah. watched the second one. I, I am willing to give that one a watch and see. But like some of these other ones, yeah, I feel like the just the straight to DVD sequels. We've made a stand here at Inside Quotes that we will not watch for sure, for sure. But streaming has changed has changed the game here. Yeah, I so like I don't know what one, to do. I feel like what is what is this one called? Home Alone, Home Alone: The Adventures of British Boy, Home Sweet Home Alone, Home Sweet Home Alone. Okay, I feel like Home Sweet Home Alone is more of a exception because it's come out so long after the Home Alone series. I guess came mm-hmm. out. We have stated on this podcast before that we stand Home Alone three, and if you have yes. anything else to say about it. Please leave. You know, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> I I love Home Alone three much to the detriment of Home Alone two. To be honest, unfortunately, because Home Alone three gets such a bad rap about not being as good as the others, I'm always very quick, a little too quick, I think, to point at Home Alone two and be like, that one wasn't as good either. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's basically the same movie. It's very formulaic. Except it's every it's every sequel in the nineties to two thousands. Hey, let's go to do let's do the same thing, but in another destination. Most likely New York City or London. Mm-hmm. That's just how things go. Agent Cody Banks two destination London. <laughs> Mister um, Bean's holiday, kind of the opposite because he went to America in the first one, but <laughs> we're not gonna think about that. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean Shrek 2, far far away, the land. I don't know what country that's supposed to be, but Hollywood, right? Yeah. Oh, it's supposed to be Hollywood. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. Anyways, it just has the Hollywood letters. That's all. And I'm not saying that's a bad that's not a bad trait of a good sequel. Doing the same thing in a different place cuz obviously we got to shake things up, but you know, it can get old. I, I will say the first three Home Alone movies were all written by John Hughes. So there is some consistency there and some quality to the writing okay. that I feel like it, the other ones don't have. 
I'm glad that's out there and the people know that. that the third one should be collected with the first two. Yes. In a way. Home Alone 2, though, I and I, I will say, like, rewatching it, I've softened my stance a little bit because I did, I did enjoy this movie. And okay. I think the strong points is that you're seeing the original McAllister family, like, together again. Mm-hmm. So I feel like some of the stuff that I had forgotten about in rewatching this was, like, some of the scenes with Buzz. Like at the at the beginning right. and like near the end and I don't know I I remember him being in it yeah. I definitely remember the scene of them at the Christmas pageant at the very beginning and he's like holding up the candles behind his ears and stuff and yeah. like embarrassing Kevin during his solo what a great bit so funny <laughs> I've never laughed harder you know it's a bad bit when Uncle Frank is laughing at it <laughs> <laughs> no for real though I felt so bad for Kevin in there because like. Not even, there's every single adult in the audience was laughing their butts off, except for his parents. Yeah. If you're an adult, (laughs) chuckle a little bit, but don't, come on. This kid is nine years old. He's got feelings. (laughs) This is probably Buzz's best movie. Is that a thing to say? I I think the jury's still out on that, because apparently he's in the newest one. That is true. That is true. That is true. He's and like the did... one connection to the original movie is, is yeah. he like plays a police officer in it. And I did fully intend to finish watching that movie before the recording of today's episode. Um, but I completely forgot to. We watched the first like 10 minutes maybe. And it has the kid from uh, Jojo Rabbit in it, which yeah. I love. He's so funny. Yeah, he was um, great in that. And he was great in the first 10 minutes. I mean, I guess the writing already seemed a little cheesy, but it is, once again, Home Alone. So you can't really critique it that hard. Um, but it, I'm interested in to see what the plot will turn into because it's not going to be the same, I don't think. Because it's already a British kid in America, so that's different. The opposite of a classic <laughs> sequel. So maybe it's really good. Maybe it's a nice, fresh breath of air uh so yeah i'm optimistic but we still haven't seen it and i'm sorry i'll give you an update next week when we cover the next movie that has nothing to do with home alone (laughs) either next episode or uh when we do home alone 3 we'll give yeah we'll give our our update on it and we'll be like yeah we saw it (laughs) before we you know dive into the movie further jeremy i wanted to ask you since this movie is about a kid being lost in new york do you have any stories about being lost as a kid in new york preferably but if not i'll take i'll take a story anywhere else really i personally have never been to new york or new york city um it is a somewhat of a dream not necessarily my top 10 places to go but um yeah I'd go before I die. Um, but as a child, me being lost. Whew. Nope, nothing comes to mind. I got a couple stories, and maybe it'll trigger something in you. About me or you? No, not you. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, maybe I've blocked it out. So I've got a couple stories. One's quick, one's a little bit longer. But the first one, I was, I was truly a kid when this happened. And I went to Citrus Park Mall with our mom, okay, shopping. 
Yep. I don't know if it was the Christmas season or anything like that, but we were there on a shopping trip. As most mall goers go. That's right. Do. Uh, I'm sure we stopped in at the food court and sampled all the all the free food before settling in on Chick-fil-A. I was just going to say that. In <laughs> um, fun fact, I worked at that particular Chick-fil-A in high school. So You sure did. And got fired. So I guess we'll tell that story another day. But A story for another time, as Maz Kanata <laughs> would say about why she has Luke's lightsaber. Yikes. Anyway, didn't get a payoff for that one, did we? Move on, move on, move on, move <laughs> on. Oh, that's a good quote for January. Stay tuned. So we were at the mall, and they used to have this store there. I think it was like a, it was called like the Discovery Store or something like that. Okay. Like a Discovery Channel store. Okay. Um, and they had, a, they had a lot of like interesting things in there. And a lot of the toys or, or, you know, things that were in there were more like educational type, type toys. And, but I still liked it. A highlight of a toy that I had there was I got a like plastic briefcase full of fake money that oh, I had for years. It was like a million bucks for a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and it had like little small dollars in it. it, but it like, it was printed like real money. Yeah. You know, I had, you know, front and back. It just was like a lot smaller, so it couldn't be confused. And it said like, not legal tender. <laughs> Did you ever try and spend that money in public? Mm, not in public. I may have tried <laughs> to bribe you with it at some point, but I don't remember. I may have <laughs> fallen for that. Um, Like, hey, Jeremy, you want $100? <laughs> what? That reminds me of the time that um, you finally had your first job and you opened a checking account. Mm-hmm. And you went up to our our little cousins and you like wrote them a check for a million dollars. Oh yeah, I remember that. And then you wrote void on it, and they were, they didn't know what that meant, so they're just running around. <laughs> we got a million dollars. <laughs> that was really funny. I was old enough to know. You knew but, what I was doing. Yeah. So we were at the store, and you know I was trailing along behind mom kind of walking through the different sections of the store and at some point something caught my eye and i just kind of decided oh she, mom's right here she's just looking at something i'm kind of bored i'm gonna go look at this thing over here around the corner yeah so i don't, I don't even remember what it was but i walked around the corner i looked at it whatever it was i was like oh that's probably too expensive and then came back <laughs> and mom was gone <laughs> she was not there anymore and i was like oh no where'd she go <laughs> Rut row raggy. And so I I started walking around the entire store trying to find her and I like couldn't find her and I started like freaking out. And I think what I ended up doing is something I pulled from the first movie is like when Kevin is home alone, he goes outside and sees if the car is still there. And he's like, They didn't go to the airport. <laughs> so I was like, I'll go outside <laughs> to the car and see if she's still here. Because I can't find her in the store. I don't know where she went. Hold up. Time out. Time out. You just quoted Home Alone. The first and one. And I didn't register that because that is such a common thing that you say. Oh, I say that all I the time. I knew what you meant fully. But I just realized <laughs> that I just registered that we were recording a podcast about the sequel to that movie that you just quoted. All right. Continue. You also can't forget the facial expression after he says, car's still here. They didn't go to the airport. <gasps> Mouth wide open. 
That's why Aziz Ansari likes that movie because that's him. That's Aziz. That's a signature signature look. <gasps> All right. What? So I I leave the the store and I walk through the food court because this store used to be very close to the food court for those yes. familiar with Citrus Park Mall in Tampa. <laughs> and I walk outside to the parking lot. We hadn't parked very far away. And so I started walking down the aisle of cars and I find our car and I'm like, okay, mom didn't leave me at the mall. So I just like, I started walking back and then I kind of was just like sit, standing on the sidewalk outside of the mall. And I was just like kind of confused. I didn't know what to do next. I was like, well, her car's still here. She's not in the store. I don't know where I should look next. And I guess I was drawing some attention from like a couple nearby <laughs> or something like that. Because they came by and they like asked, like, are you like by yourself? And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm looking for my mom. I was in the store and now I wasn't like crying or emotional or anything like that, but I was like, you know, worried. I, I remember being kind of scared. <laughs> yeah. And so they like called like a security guard and they brought me back to the store. And apparently mom had been in there the whole time and I just like didn't see her. <laughs> But of course she was like really freaking out and she was really crying and it was this whole oh, thing, man. but it was, it was a happy ending. We were reunited mother and son back together again at Citrus Park Mall. Nice. And she was kind of, she was kind of mad at me, but it was more of those, one of those things where she was um, just glad to have me back that I didn't, didn't get in trouble. Yeah. Until the next time I got lost. <laughs> okay. The next time you'll, you'll remember this one, Jeremy. Um, I was a teenager. All right, here's here's the setup for this story. I was a teenager. I had just gotten my learner's permit. Oh, this is the Thanksgiving story, brain surgery. Yes. Aha, okay. The old brain surgery Thanksgiving story. <laughs> you know, it's a family tradition. <laughs> uh, I was, I had just gotten my learner's permit and it was, thanks, it was, you know, like the week of Thanksgiving and our mom had been in the hospital for a surgery. Um, technically, it was brain surgery, but it was more of like a nerve thing with her ear, um, behind her ear. So she had to have an operation done, yeah, behind her ear. And so she was in the hospital for that. And she had had the surgery and it was successful and it was all, everything was good. But she was in the hospital recovering for like a week or so after that before she could go home. And so like that week of Thanksgiving, we were out of school and we were going to visit, you know, my mom at the hospital each week. I mean, each day that week. And so we were driving downtown and we had parked the car in the parking garage. It was at a hospital in downtown Tampa, TGH. And we had been hanging out at the hospital all day, basically. And at some point we had brought some things to like bring to my mom up to her hospital room mm -hmm. and dad like gave me the keys to the car and he said hey jonathan i forgot to bring that stuff up with us can you go down and get it and bring it back up and then we'll then we'll head out so i was like okay so i was i was just supposed to run down there real quick and get in so i get down to the parking garage we had parked up like several rows or several levels up i would say and i had the idea hey i got the keys i got my learner's permit I don't get to drive that often. How about I do my dad a favor and I just drive the car down to the bottom level of the garage and just make it, you know, we'll get out of here a lot quicker, actually. And I won't have to walk as far either. He won't be mad. 
So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I hopped in the car and I drove down to the bottom level (laughs) where much to my surprise, the bottom level was full. That's why we didn't park there to begin with. I'm sure. So I had to exit the parking garage. And so I said, okay, I'm leaving the garage. I'm just going to like find a place to turn around and go back in. I'll just park right back where we were. No damage done. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is where this hospital is located, it's kind of downtown and there's not a lot of places to turn around. Specifically, there's a lot of one-way roads. So Mm -hmm. as soon as I got out of the garage, I suddenly found myself on a one-way road heading over a bridge (laughs) uh, (laughs) back into like downtown Tampa area near Bayshore, away from the hospital. Not a good area for a 16-year-old boy to be in by himself. Not not a good area for a 16-year-old boy with only a learner's permit. And then also a 16-year-old boy who did not like wearing his glasses, which he needed to drive. Ooh. Also pre-GPS. Pre-GPS, no glasses. And also at the time, I had a prepaid phone, which was oh, conveniently man. very low on minutes. <laughs> course it was <laughs> so there was just all of these factors just dialing up the situation oh and also it was getting dark <laughs> so it was like sunset yeah. so i'm driving over the bridge and suddenly i find myself driving in downtown tampa which you know tampa isn't as big as new york but it can still be a pretty stressful place to drive if you aren't familiar with it a lot of one-way yeah. roads, a lot of traffic, especially if it's getting dark and you can't see hardly anything without right. your glasses. <laughs> so I was just driving around and just trying to make my way. And I'm like, I was trying to figure out how to get back to the hospital because I wasn't familiar with the downtown area. Uh, other areas of, of Tampa, I would have known exactly where to go. But downtown, I, I didn't know how to get back. I knew the direction I wanted to go but I didn't know which streets would take me there. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually after driving around for maybe like 15 minutes, I'm like, okay, they are probably wondering where I'm at at this point. And I found myself on Bayshore uh, Boulevard or drive or whatever it's called. That's where it's like right by the water. And that's where all the nice houses are. And I was like, I don't, I can't, I don't know how to get back to the hospital. So I just pulled off onto a street where all like the rich houses are. Um, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady lives over on Bayshore, so I, I'm going to mm-hmm. say I pulled into his driveway or outside of his house. Before he owned it, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. For the sake of the story, I pulled in front of Tom Brady's... Um, Tom Brady's uh, house? F- future home. That's right. And Whoa. at this point, I called Dad, and I had to, I had to fess up. I had, I had to let him know what I'd done. <laughs> that I'd taken the car for a joyride around downtown Tampa. So I called him. And I told him like what was going on. I told him I was driving. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> he was like, well, can you like find like a street sign? And I was like, I'm on Bayshore somewhere. I'm pretty sure I'm just in Tom Brady's driveway. That's, that's all I know. I was like, you know the place. So, <laughs> so obviously it's like he's got to come get me. Now he doesn't have a car <laughs> to like come get me. Right, because you took his car. Right. So he, I think this is something of an older generation. This is what he did. He decided like, okay, I'm going to go. I know there's a bus station nearby. I think that's a place where I can go get a cab. 
because he had been like walking around. He like walked over the bridge, kind of looking for mm-hmm. me. Um, which the bridge I'm referring to is the one at like Davis Island for those that yeah, are familiar right. with Tampa. Not like anything going over to like other cities or anything like that. Yeah. Anyway, he he, and this is also isn't like New York City where you can just like whistle and hail a cab like that. Right. Like you got to go searching for a cab or call a number to like get one. So anyway, he goes to the bus station and it worked like a charm. He got a he got a cab. Yeah. And so usually most people like, get buses at the bus station, but you know, yeah. cabs are there too. Uh, it was like a Greyhound bus station. And so he basically had to tell the guy like, "Oh, I I'm looking for my son. I don't know where he is. We just need to like drive up and down Bayshore." <laughs> so he did that. He called me, you know, back and forth a few times trying to figure out my location. And like every time I called him, my phone was vibrating. Because it was like it would let you know when like a minute had been like spent with yeah. your prepaid minutes. So like every minute I was on the phone, it was like a ticking clock. I was like, <laughs> I'm about to run out of minutes. <laughs> this was like such a stressful situation for me. Ah oh, man, I bet. Meanwhile, I'm watching Kung Fu Panda in Mom's hospital room. Well, that's right. That's the other aspect of this. Is this Mom was supposed to be resting in the hospital room, and she's stressing out because I'm. <laughs> Hanging out in downtown Tampa by myself. Her first day after surgery, just recovering. (laughs) Okay, so after that, the other complication to this story is dad did, he was like running out of cash. Like he didn't have enough money to pay the cab driver. I've never ridden in a cab in my entire life. I've never taken a taxi. I assume they take card now, but I don't know if they did back then or if he just wasn't aware of it because he hadn't taken one. But he only had like a certain amount of money. And so as he was driving, looking, he was noticing like the fare on the cab just going up and up and up. (laughs) And he was just like, at a certain point, he just had to tell him, like, I'm sorry, this is all the money I have. You're you're just going to have to drop me off here. And he just gave him all the cash he had on him, which was like, I don't know, 15 bucks or something like that. I remember remember it being 12 bucks. 12 bucks. Okay. Because I was like... 12 bucks gets you that far that's not far at all so he he's just got dropped off in the middle of bayshore on this big long road and he just said he called me back and said okay i'm on bayshore just leave the car come out to the to the road along the bridge here and just meet me out there and we'll meet up and so that's what we did i found him i walked him back to the car and we just <laughs> rode in silence back to the <laughs> hospital <laughs> and um, it was just one of those things where like, I didn't get in trouble cause they were just happy to like have me back. The prodigal son returns. I, I remember when I got back up to the uh, hospital room, like mom was like upset at me and <laughs> telling me how I was stressing her out and everything. And <laughs> she'd been calling all her friends and telling them what was going on and freaking out. And, um, but it, it all ended happily and when we got home i think dad gave me one of those like father-son talks where (laughs) it was just like yeah i've done some stupid stuff back in my day too you know (laughs) well i hope you learn from it (laughs) but that's a good good story i've been saving for the podcast i feel like i don't i don't think i've i don't think i've said that one and it was kind of a lengthy one said it recently but i think it was not on the show yeah it wasn't on it wasn't on the air so i decided to share it my question is, did you come across any homeless ladies and that were feeding birds, and did you give her turtle doves ornaments? Of course. I didn't forget to remember her. 
Whoa, that's just like the movie Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. (laughs) (laughs) That is crazy. So yeah, Home Alone 2 was uh, made in 1992. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Inside Quotes, the show where we talk about a movie and tell you what year it came out in. I think that's we we've been trying to figure out what to do with our TikTok account and I feel like that's yeah. what we should do is we should just show a picture of the movie poster and say this movie came out in 1992. <laughs> Have a good day. Uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. That's so stupid and I love it. Well, okay, so in the park were you did you pass by any parks? And were you scared of the park because you know skids are, skids are scared <laughs> Kids are scared of the dark. <laughs> you know, kids are scared of the park. I laughed at that line a lot this time because I don't think I ever picked up on that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> of that just being a variation of the line from the first movie. <laughs> they said, here, let me copy your homework. Okay, but don't make all the answers the same. <laughs> Change it up a little bit. <laughs> uh, kids are scared of the park. I mean, we've talked about how it's exactly the same movie. And sure, it could happen. But, like, there's got to be some genetic sleeping condition that this entire family has. Because, once again, a house with 14 people failed to not wake up till after the shuttle arrived. They all have the (laughs) genetic sleeping condition. They all have, like, I don't know what that is or if that exists, but... They love sleeping in. Well, and here's here's the thing. In the first movie, the power goes out across the right. whole house. Right. In the second one, the only reason that they that the oh. parents don't wake up is because they unplugged their alarm clock. You're right. And then replugged it back in. Well, they didn't unplug it. Kevin did. And then he plugged it back in. But that doesn't, you know, explain any of the other clocks in the house. Of why you know no one else set an alarm in that entire house. Now, I can expect Uncle Frank to not yeah. care and and make other people wake him up every day. He's irresponsible <laughs> for sure. But his but wife, everyone else, his wife should be. And some of the kids, I'll give him a pass. You know, Fuller's kind of young. Mm-hmm. He's probably stayed up all night peeing, and he's tired in the morning. I don't know. He didn't get any Pepsi's this year. <laughs> You want to talk about that? Notice that they said, hey, easy on the fluids, pal. They didn't say Pepsi once in this movie. Interesting. And if you notice, all the cans of pop or soda mm-hmm. are all red. I don't think they're officially Coke, but... They're just generic. I don't think they got Pepsi's permission in this movie. I bet they're like, yeah, we made money off the last one, so you better pay us this time. And they were like, mm, maybe not. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but that's that's probably the case. The product placement, they didn't come to a deal on the second Someone one. Someone made a switch. So I think, yes, it, it is a lot of the same things from the first one, but I do enjoy the story. I feel like it does work. And there's a lot of things that are kind of homages to the first one or like continuations mm-hmm. that I really, I think work really well. Right. Um, specifically one of the early shots of the movie is like when the airport shuttle comes to pick them up again, <laughs> yeah. you don't, you don't see them knock over the statue out front. 
you just see the guy like going to pick it up. Yeah. Like, you know what happened. Like, (laughs) you know, you see the driver like get out of the car and pick it up off the ground. Um, I like how they change things every just slightly, but you mm -hmm. know what's going on. Yeah. So, and then also like the way he got lost, like they changed like, oh, they didn't leave him at the house again. He actually went to the airport this time. Yeah. And then he was there and they had him all accounted for. And he just followed the wrong guy that was dressed exactly like his dad. Mm -hmm. I feel like they do explain too, like how it's possible that he gets left behind. Like there's all these little things that lead up to it and it's always explained. And it's not like, I'm not going to say it's like foolproof, but I feel like it's pretty well explained to where I'm not sitting there the whole movie like saying, oh, there's plot holes. I don't understand this. Like, yes, I would say it's convenient. Yes, it's contrived, but I'm buying it. Yes, especially pre 9-11. Now, it's a different story if it was, it was post 9-11. Because yeah. I, I think airport security would not let that fly at all. Yeah, that's that's a given. Speaking of that, I mean, there's also a shot when he's in New York exploring the entire city, and there's a zoom-out shot of him standing on top of the World Trade Center. Yeah. And that was super hard to watch. I mean, it was like nine years before, right? Or 11 years before it actually yeah, happened. I mean, um, it was a major landmark in New York. I mean, all the movies, you, you'll just, you just always see it in the yeah. background of shots. Anything that's shot in New York, it's not uncommon to have it in movies. But right. I, I do agree, like, you know, in a post-9-11 world, seeing, seeing like him on top is very interesting. Yeah, and seeing him on, on top, but also have a close-up of the building Usually it's in yeah. the background of most shots and it's not a big deal. But like yeah. him being yeah. on the building and slowly zooming out and then you see the other building, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard to watch. Yeah. Um, but you can only associate it with all the other footage you've seen from the attacks and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Anyways, moving on from that dark bit. One of the continuations from the first movie that I absolutely love is the greatest movie within a movie ever made (laughs) angels with filthy souls and the sequel in this one angels with even filthier souls the meltdown (laughs) oh yeah the meltdown (laughs) angels with filthy souls the the squeakquel i would i would watch i was thinking about this as i was watching this movie i would love to see like behind the scenes or like some kind of documentary about the crew that shot like these fake movies within the movie (laughs) okay like i want to i don't i don't know why i'm just like so interested in that like was this like a second unit team that chris columbus sent out to like go shoot this or is this something he was like oh no i like i want it to look this way and i'm writing the script for this and this is how it's gonna work you know it's like well i guess john hughes wrote the script but right um I don't know. It's just, it's so funny and it's so quotable, especially from the first movie. So then to like see the twist on it and like see how it's changed up a little bit in this one, it's still a lot of fun. Honestly, the highlight of this movie is just getting a sequel to Angels with Filthy Souls. (laughs) Sure. I like, I almost wish it was, I really wish it was a full movie that I could also watch at like Christmas time. Like, oh, I want to watch this old gangster movie from like the 30s, you know? (laughs) Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah although I, once again i also think it would be a very very boring movie because how many movies from the 1930s do you watch 
normally. Not very many. 30s might be kind of old. It, it probably looked more 40s. Oh, wait, it's not a real movie. Oh, yeah, um, right. You know what? The, the most recent movie I watched that was that old was a couple years ago. I watched the original, like, Oliver Twist from, Ooh. like, the 1940s. Okay. It was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. It was kind of funny because it had the um, the original Obi-Wan Kenobi in it, Alec Guinness. It's like a younger guy. What? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I always, there's something about older movies that I do enjoy watching. It's like, it's hard to sit down and like pay attention to it though. It's kind of like reading for me. Like I always enjoy it when I do it and like take the time to appreciate it, but it's hard for me to like focus and sit down and watch like an older movie. I remember I watched Casablanca on a plane. And that is like highly regarded as one of the greatest films of all time. Mm. But <laughs> I feel like I only watched it because I was on a plane for hours. Mm. And I didn't have anywhere else to go. See, our our like temperaments are different, I feel like. Where I think I'm a lot more patient with like the older style of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And for you, you just kind of like uh, it's not it's not it's not very good it's not it's not the <laughs> the shots and it's not even the black and white that bothers me it's the sound mm-hmm. and it's the cadence of every voice s- sounding exactly the same i feel like every man that's somewhat like peeved or whatever in every 40s movie is just like that's what they sound like they all sound like that to me and all the girls are all, but I don't, I don't care. But, but the transatlantic accent, my butt, you're boring. <laughs> That's my rant. I'm sorry. But other than that, mm. I love old movies. Yeah. It's just if you have a monotone, weird transatlantic accent, I'm done. I'm done, dude. <laughs> Hopefully they'll understand what I mean by the gibberish that I've just displayed. On the, I think so. Here on the pod. I got it, but <laughs> okay. then again, we have inside quotes. So That's true. We also have telepathy. Another funny moment, sorry, as like kind of a continuation of the of the first one. Yeah. But just like little jokes that are kind of subtle. Um at the very end, when they're like at the hotel, um, after they've reunited with Kevin, spoiler alert. <laughs> I love how all the fam it's just a shot of the all the family like sleeping on like the hotel floor and the camera yeah. just pans over to Fuller in like this huge <laughs> king size bed at this hotel. Just got it all to himself. Cause you know yeah. nobody wants to share the bed with Fuller. That's, they don't yeah, draw attention to it. It's just a little subtle thing. You'd think with all the oodles and oodles of money they have, they could have afforded another room. But the, okay, so I guess to wrap up all the changes and all the comparisons to the first movie, um, okay, the first time, losing your kid, crazy fluke. That's very plausible. Second time, you're running late again. That's insane. You should not have done that. Okay, second time losing your kid after all of that? I'm calling CPS. <laughs> Yeah. Like that's I, 
I don't care how much you love your child. That is wrong. There's no way that can happen twice. If I'm I'm handcuffing my kid to myself, if I lost him the first time, I'm making sure. I'll lose a different kid. But I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that kid is sitting next to me on the plane. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing with the second one that's always kind of bugged me a little bit is it definitely feels like, you know, the first movie, there's a lot of character development with Kevin and the family becomes closer and they start to kind of understand each other a little bit more. Yeah. And in the second one, it feels like a lot of that character progression has kind of reverted back to how it was before the first one, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I do feel like, um, the parents seem a little like just goofier in this one. Yeah. Like how they're kind of making jokes like, Oh, this has happened before. <laughs> they're in denial. It's not the same intensity as it is in the first one. Right. Um, but yeah, I just feel like some of that like character development is kind of lost on this second one. But I do understand like kind of I mean they're trying to continue the series and do more stories and I get that. I mean, I feel like the only ones the only person's character that has developed other than Kevin is Buzz. You can just tell he's going to grow up to be a lawyer. Spoiler alert, he doesn't because I think he's a cop <laughs> in the new one, but um hey, that's part of the law, I guess. Beat that trout sniffer. Dude, he reminds me so much of Adam Smith. <laughs> like, the way he would talk and present things to his audience of a family, <laughs> that is Adam Smith. And Adam Smith, the uh, older brother of Paul Smith, who's been on the show before uh, as a guest. <laughs> um, childhood friends. Um, but, man, I, yeah, I don't know. Just, like, he's so funny. And that's that just reminds me of Adam Smith. So, I mean, you were saying earlier, like you think this is Buzz's best movie. Like, what are, yeah, what are some highlights from Buzz? I think he's just the funny. I think he's just funnier in this, and okay. he's just like, I'm gonna get away with anything, while also being funny about it. Like, he knows there's zero consequences for him, so he's like taking advantage of everything. Um, while he's while he's there, I don't know how to explain it other than that. I don't know. I, I I definitely take Kevin's side at the beginning of the movie. I think Buzz was yeah pretty mean to him, and I'm surprised that the parents were kind of going along with his his little sob story at the beginning of right. the, you know pretending to apologize and stuff. That's yeah. just another. That's just something to me where I'm like these these parents don't seem like they treat Kevin very well. No, they're bad parents, <laughs> for sure. Bad parents. Um, now Kevin, I don't know if you've heard this, but there's a. <laughs> There's a conspiracy theory that Kevin grew up to be a serial killer from the Saw movies, which I've never oh, okay. seen a single Saw movie, but um, he likes to play games with people. You never saw a Saw? And pretty much, no, I've never seen it. I was always scared to. But no, he's just like a little, he's a little creep. Like he gets, he, he smiles whenever he's killing people like later on in the pranks, I guess. Operation yep. Ho Ho Ho. He gets joy out of that. Not just protecting himself. He's just like, um, he's out to get him. Here's what I just put together, I think, that kind of bothers me about this one. Is, yeah, because you feel like after the first one, you think that maybe this was like, you know, the family has grown, they've moved on, 
you think that this is like a, an example of kind of drifting apart, but they've come back together. Mm-hmm. But like when you get to the family in the second movie, you just see like, no, this is just kind of their dysfunction. This is how they are. Like this yeah. wasn't a, uh, you know, a one-off that they, the parents made some mistakes with, with Kevin, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, this is how things are all the time. So that kind of makes it a little bit like that kind of sours it a little bit for me. Cause I, I, when watching the first one, I want to think that they're good parents. Yeah. But w- when you watch the second one, I just don't think that they are. No. So that's what bothers me, I think. I think that's why this, it kind of takes away from this movie being great. Mm-hmm. It's solid. This movie is solid. But I don't consider it great. Do I love yeah. it? Is it a staple? Of course it is. But it's <laughs> not great. I do love the turtle doves, and I do love the relationship with um, the the dove lady. Yeah, there's that's awesome. Let's, let's talk about the dove lady because okay. I mean, as a kid watching this, like I oh man, I did not like this lady. Snow she, like, shovel man part two. <laughs> exactly, that's what they're going for. Yeah, but I mean, this lady, she's got like birds all over her. Like she was like weird and grossed me out like i did not i did not like her yeah um you know and also just the scenes of being in like grungy new york doesn't add to the look either there i don't feel like that's part of it (laughs) i don't think there's a single new york movie that makes me want to go to new york (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) as an adult um watching the movie that's some of the stuff that i appreciated the most in in this movie was the scenes with her um, and she's talking about how she hasn't spoke to anybody in years, right? You know, she's just stopped trusting people. She's let all her relationships go, and all she has is our is her birds, you know. And that's it's really sad, but it's really touching to see yeah. like Kevin kind of reach out to her. He's always been that kind of character that's been kind of an outcast in his family. Mm-hmm. So like when he sees these other people outskirts of society like the snow shovel man or whatever like yeah he'll talk to them as long as he's not scared of them and that that is some progression i think from the first movie because in the first one he sees the snow shovel guy and he immediately like screams and runs away right and in this one he gets scared and he starts to walk away but then he just kind of is you know he just kind of thinks about it it's like oh he doesn't like he doesn't say anything out loud but you can kind of see is like that that he's like thinking yeah it's like I, i've i've been through this before snow shovel man wasn't that bad why don't i ask her about her life you know i don't yeah. know what he what he asked him. but i do feel like that is like some progression in his character in this one that's really good right maybe she could get me into the philharmonic who knows oh that's awesome yeah like, does she live up there or she just go up there and hang out i mean it kind of looks I like thought she lives she, there. i thought she lived up there that would be so yeah. such a great place a bird nest if you will just up there listening to yeah. <laughs> maybe she's the phantom of the opera <laughs> the phantom of the philharmonic orchestra <laughs> oh that'd be awesome if if i was like homeless or whatever like i'd i'd be living up there for sure toy store yeah mr duncan Another highlight of this movie for sure. Yeah. So right off the bat, Duncan's toy shop instantly reminds me of Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. 
It is <laughs> between a mix between that and Santa's toy shop from the Santa Claus, like the North Pole. Mm-hmm. So cool. What What's funny about you saying that is I noticed in watching that first scene in uh, Duncan's toy shop that Chris Columbus has a cameo in yeah. that, and he's there with like his daughter, right? Like right. they make a cameo in the toy shop. And his daughter played like a Hufflepuff girl, like in the first Harry Potter movie. Susan Bones. Susan Bones. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if Home Alone 2 and the Harry Potter movies are connected. Maybe this is Susan Bones and she has a muggle parent who is Chris Columbus. Maybe he just wrote himself into (laughs) the wizarding world. Whoa. There's a a connection. That's crazy. (laughs) But now that, I mean... Oh, man. That toy store always looked amazing as a kid. Yeah. There wasn't really many toy stores for us growing up. I mean, Toys R Us, and then there's Walmart. I think Walmart is where most of the toys were bought in our life. Mm -hmm. I've never really been to, like, a legit toy store. So putting those in a movie, especially a Christmas movie, even, like, in, like, a Christmas story, um... That's so cool where everything you see oh. is a toy store. What is it called? Higby's or something? Yeah, Higby's. Yeah, there's um there's something about Ooh. you know, it's just an independent it's just an independent toy store. Doesn't yeah. look like a, you know, fluorescent lighting box store of Walmart, you know, it's got right. a very warm design to the whole, you know, yeah. ambiance to the shop. That makes it really cool. It's like almost a museum because there's exhibits and showcases of the cool toys, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, another, I guess let's just list off some of the best on-screen toy stores because number one in my book, the mall from Arthur's Christmas Wish. Bro. <laughs> that was a good one. Gotta get that glass duck. Um, such a good one. Yeah, but how does that compare to the mall in uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop? It's the same mall, idiot. Oh, just in animated form? Sure. <laughs> Any, anytime I think of toy stories, I just, I always flash back to Jingle All the Way of like all the different right? places he goes in that movie. So you got like the first, you got the first one, like, you know, where they're like the stampede of people trying to get in and. That just looks like a typical toy store, but then there's there's like one in the mall. Right. Then you got the one in the warehouse when he's trying to buy the sketchy sketchy one from Jim Belushi. <laughs> yeah. Movies do toy stores right. Let's make that a goal to go shop at a toy store one day. It's pretty achievable, I'm sure. Here's one that's probably not a toy store, but I thought of the image of, you know, in a goofy movie. Where he's like taking the photos with like oh, Pete. Yeah. That's like his job. And there's that like display of like the little fishing bobblehead yeah. things in the middle of the store. For some reason, I thought of that when I was thinking of Toy Story. Oh, taking it back to OG inside quotes. Mm. Second ever episode. Yeah. So, Duncan's Toy Shop. Legitness. If I'd say so myself. Um, so, before that, we get the introduction to Harry and Marv. Back at it again. Here we are, Marv. The land of opportunity. 
yeah, we're the sticky bandits now. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, Marv, that ain't smart. You stealing the 14 cents? Just got out of prison? It's like, every little bit helps. <laughs> He's much more of an idiot in this movie. Just by his, like, responses. I was going to say the same thing. I okay. mean, he's already a dumb character, yeah. but I feel like they dialed it up in this one. And the writing, a lot of his lines, they're only smart because it's like a variation or like a riff on like a line from the original movie. Yeah. The rest of it is just kind of like he's just playing extra dumb. Right. I, I didn't like that. I think the one that got me was whenever he caught them breaking into Duncan's toy store. And he took a picture of him. And then Harry's like, Mav, he just took a picture of us. And then uh, <laughs> Harry's like, or Marv is like, oh, did I look, hope I looked good. Is my hair okay? <laughs> Was my hair okay? Something yeah, like that. Something like that. That that really took me out. But My favorite moment with Marv, though, in this movie was he's, when him and Harry are in the park. And they see like Kevin like running off and running away or whatever. And I don't remember exactly what they say, but they go to leave the park and they turn around. And as they're walking away, like Marv just sticks his hand on like the head of this lady that's walking by and like steals her hat. (laughs) (laughs) It like caught me off guard. I had forgotten about that and I had to like rewind it and rewatch it because I was cracking up. But Marv stealing the hat was like his highlight in this in movie. The I sound thought. effect, the sound effect that went with it, like that—that <laughs> that was good. I and I and I did think it was kind of funny. He kept running into that same lady on the street. Yeah, that like his hands kept sticking to her purse or whatever, and making eyes at her. Who, by the way, that lady had a good punch. Mm-hmm. It's a one punch knockout right there. <laughs> She know, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> also, say before we move on to the next part, um, the establishing shots. I don't know if I, I guess I pointed this out while we watched this, but uh, if you notice the first shot of Marv, I always get them wrong. Marv is Marv is the tall one, the dumb one. Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. Yeah. Okay. If you look closely at Marv's uh, forehead, he's got. Not as bad as when it first happened in the first movie, but he still has like an iron shaped burn scar on yeah. his forehead. It's pretty cool. Because I guess it's just one Christmas later. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> I never really, had, you know, paid attention to that. Yeah. The, the movies are pretty cartoonish. So it's just like, you know, in cartoons, Looney Tunes, people get hit in the face with a. Right. <laughs> With something and, and they're perfectly fine the next moment later, you know. Yeah. Tom and Jerry gets that like mountain of mountain mountainous bump that just <laughs> and it just settles down. I was gonna bring up earlier, um, when we were talking about the pigeon lady. Did you recognize her from any other movie of our childhood? Um, I feel like you have brought this up before and I can't remember. But she looks completely different. Yeah, no, she's the um she's in Angels in the Outfield and she's like their the kids oh, really? like foster mom that they're that they're living with. 
And she doesn't have a huge role in the movie, but she's in it. And I always, I I remember her from that. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, she has a very, like, calming voice and kind of calming presence, I feel like. Right. My question, we we just finished talking about Duncan's toy chest and the pigeon lady. Uh, Bro, what the heck is a turtle dove? And why are they called turtle doves? Do you know this? I mean, it's part of a huge Christmas song. I like turtles. I like turtle doves. I'm about to Google what is a turtle dove. European turtle dove, vibrant, dainty species of dove, weighing in around 140 grams with a charismatic tetering call from which its name derives. Okay, so it sounds like it's saying tetering. Whatever it... That's stupid. I thought it was going to have a turtle shell on it. One thing I meant to bring up earlier is another tradition that they carried on is the family watching It's a Wonderful Life in a foreign language. Yeah. Like, even though they're not out of the country, they're in Florida, and they're watching It's a Wonderful Life in Spanish. They're in Miami. They're basically North Cuba. I've probably seen It's a Wonderful Life in other languages more than I have in English, just because I've watched the Home Alone movies more than I've watched (laughs) It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I guess that counts. Yes. (laughs) So while he's trying to like settle down into New York, he like realizes that he's there and he's like, I might as well make the best of it. Uh, He cons his way into getting a hotel room at the nicest hotel in in the city. He had switched bags with his dad. So now Kevin's got his dad's wallet with his cash and credit cards and all that stuff. Who, by the way, is an insanely rich individual. Yes. We just don't know what he does. Right. If any conspiracy is true, this guy grew up to be Frank Abagnales from Catch Me If You Can. (laughs) Because this dude is the greatest con man, and he's only nine. Credit card? You got it. (laughs) He's like he uses his own age as a as an as a defense. Like he's like, "Ma'am, do you really think a nine year old boy would be able to do this?" And he's like so thought out. He thinks out every single possibility. He's more thorough than Nathan Fielder. There's something kind of similar to that he said in this movie, where they're like asking him a question, and he's like, "What me? I'm just a kid." I don't remember exactly yeah. what they what they asked him, but he just responded like, "I'm just a kid. TV's my life." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I know how it works. TV's my life. I'm ten. Yeah. I also liked when he was trying to con them, like he recorded the message and slowed it down. Yeah. But it, it, he just started it out with, "Howdy do, I'm Peter McAllister." <laughs> <laughs> just like I want to just start saying hi to people. Like, "Howdy do, <laughs> howdy do." Tim Curry, Rom Schneider. Oh, yeah, Tim Curry. Haven't talked about them. Tim Curry is a staple of our childhood. He's in at least three of the greatest movies of our childhood. Name number them. one. First of all, number one. I'm going descending order. Number okay. one. Well, no, I'm going ascending order. Mm-hmm. Number three, Home Alone 2. Mm-hmm. Number two, Muppets Treasure Island. That's the big and one. And number one, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Oh yes, yeah, staples. 
you'll notice over the over the course of the podcast, we've the term staple has gotten a lot looser and looser through the years. <laughs> I forgot hey. he was even in that. So, dude, he plays the other cat, the British <laughs> lazy version of of. <laughs> he's the posh Garfield. Mm. Uh, I can't stand lasagna. I don't know. I'll have to watch that one again. That one's so good. I saw that in theaters. Mm. Fun fact. I'm probably one of five people that did. There's a lot of people that have a lot of love for Tim Curry, and I feel like I just yeah. don't. He's one of those people that I just like don't like to look at. <laughs> and he always plays these kind of slimy characters, I feel like, which he's doing a mm-hmm. good job at it. So it's like it's hard to fault him. But I don't get excited when I see Tim Curry in a movie. That's well, that's yes. kind of what I he I mean he did didn't he originally play the first uh Pennywise from it? I believe so. Never watched that. I definitely haven't watched that. <laughs> but I knew that. Keep your enemies keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. That he was in he was in the Three Musketeers, which was like a nineties live action Disney movie. And okay. I remember he was kind of a villain in that. I used to watch that a lot at Paul Paul's house. He liked that one. But it had I didn't like know that was a real movie. I thought it was just the Mickey, Donald, and Goofy Three Musketeers. No, it has had Kiefer Sutherland in it, man. Charlie Sheen. Oh, really? Chris O'Donnell before he was Robin. Interesting. Speaking of Three Musketeers, can we just bash on that form of candy? I just don't like it. Hmm. It's a waste of a candy bar to me. You know? Maybe cuz that's that's the one like thing that we I guess we weren't allowed to eat Three Musketeers for some reason. Like that's never I don't know why we weren't allowed to have Three Musketeers. You know, if you had asked me what I thought about Three Musketeers in like 4th through 6th grade, I would have told you it was like the pinnacle of a candy bar. Yeah. Not so much anymore. But that's because we weren't allowed to have it. As opposed to Snickers that had peanuts. When I got my Halloween candy, the Three Musketeers were the first to go. Um, and then I would kind of, I would switch back and forth between the Milky Way and the Snickers. Now, the Snickers wasn't a treat because we got that all the time. Bro, don't get me, don't even get me started on Milky Ways. No, I didn't like that because I was always, I was much more into the Three Musketeers back in the day. Okay. but. Now, I don't know. I more more now these days, I don't even really like to eat a lot of like chocolate bars. It's more a right. I want to eat peanut M&Ms all day every day and I can't yeah. stop. <laughs> That's the problem. If I'm eating chocolate candy, I have to have crunch whether you're in a Twix, whether you're a Kit Kat, I'd rather have a Twix than Kit Kat. Mm-hmm. But Snickers, you got the peanut. Peanut M&Ms, you got the candy shell and you got the peanut. It's just why have fluff? And why have a Snickers without peanuts? <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I feel like it's cheap. Moving on. Yeah. We we just got on a candy tangent. and We don't need to be on it any longer. But I'm sorry if I've offended any of the Three Musketeers lovers. <laughs> that was a tangent off a tangent off a tangent. I'm yeah. trying to look at Rob Schneider and look at our childhood staples with him in it. We've yeah. got Home Alone 2. Beverly Hillbillies. Beverly Hillbillies movie. Benchwarmers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, was the first one you said? Oh, Homeland 2. Yeah. I don't know how to rank those. <laughs> I think I'm going bench... Mm, 
I'm going Home Alone 2, Benchwarmers, and Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, Hillbillies being number one? Yes. Ranking them off of funniness. Okay. I feel like... I feel like Benchwarmers is higher as far as inside quotes. Yes. But I really want to watch that Beverly Hillbillies movie now. Oh, like, yes, I do. <laughs> that was I so also... funny. Yeah, There's a lot of great quotes in that, too. Yeah. That's going to be another flop for sure, because I feel like not many people have seen that. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah. We're, when we do, The day we do that episode, we'll get a dozen clicks for sure. Yeah, we're not here for clicks. <laughs> we're here for staples. Okay. <laughs> Someone's got to talk about this movie. Right. And, it, and we will be the people that do. We saw a need. We're going to fill a need. <laughs> so we can't, we can't end our discussion until we talk about the ending pranks. Oh, what, what do we even call them? Operation Ho Ho Ho. Operation Ho Ho Ho. Is that what it's called? I, yes, that's what it's called. It's like his little map at the beginning. Has, he has the blueprints of the building. Yeah. I didn't catch uh, that. That's during the montage of him setting everything up. Um, I've got a segment for us to rank them. Okay. And we can talk about them individually. But I figured we can make a tier list of all of the main Home Alone 2 deadly pranks. And let's base them off of how much they would die. Okay. okay. So S tier being like you're instantly dead. A tier being... You're kind of dead. And then so on and so forth. So, let's start off with the faucet electrician arc welder. Now, that right. one is a Marv? I don't remember that I think one. Marv got it worse than anybody <laughs> in this movie. He turned into a straight-up skeleton in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Let's list them all before we rank them. We've got the faucet electrocution arc welder incident. We've got the slimed up ladder <laughs> with flubber. <laughs> we well, let's call that, let's call that flubber ladder. Okay. We've got the three bricks to the face. Mm. Perfect aim, Kevin. Uh, we've got stapler in the butt, stapler in the groin, and stapler in the nose. Okay. Uh, we've got the 100-pound bag of cement to the head mm. tied to the rope. He did that to himself. Uh, face painting, or face planting the two stories. So he cut the hole in the floor, and he fell. Um, he fell. Uh, another one is, for Harry, tools to the head. Mm. Not that bad, actually. Well, that might be, like, the least one. The least dangerous one. Uh, then we've got the wall of paint crashing down. We've got the head on fire. A fan favorite from the last movie. But with the addition of a kerosene-filled toilet bowl. Yeah, that's uh, the one. For yeah, me. That's, I think that's the one. <laughs> I think that's the one. Uh, lead pipe to the noggin. Followed by a two-story fall. And then also lead pipe cut and then falling from two stories onto their chest or head. We are not sure. That's an also a hard one, because that's got both of them. Uh, and then another one, toolbox to the wall smush, is what I called that. 
Have you ever tried to move one of those toolboxes? Heaviest uh, things. Recently, when we helped our friend Nick move. Yeah. <laughs> it was very things. heavy. <laughs> and that was a small one. Yeah. It, those are, that. that's up there as well. And then the last one, last but not least, kerosene rope three-story fall. Mm. That one is the coolest one to watch, at least. I, I like I like the kerosene rope one. I like the flubber ladder, and I like the lighter fluid in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Explosion. I think those are my three favorite, for sure. Okay. So the one that killed Harry, the most dangerous one, definitely was kerosene toilet. Okay. Yeah. Wh- which one was the funniest? Oh, the toilet one is the one that I laughed out loud at. Okay. Um, I think the one that killed Marv was definitely the bricks. Yeah. You think so? I mean, the first one, instant concussion. Second one, that's brain damage. Third one, you're if you haven't died from the first or second, you're dead now. Yeah. Followed by everything else, because that's the first thing. Um, I think... Okay, this one's really underrated, but it made me laugh a lot. Is the 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 triple hit of the stapler? <laughs> that was good. Because first he got stapled right in the butt, then he turns around because he's in pain, and then it staples him again in the groin, which makes him bend over because he got hit in the groin with a stapler, and that gets his nose. Mm-hmm. It's the classic rule of three comedy. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is an example where it's like, you know that, you know, the whole movie, the whole reason they're doing the sequel is leading up to this moment so that Kevin can spring more tra- traps on these guys. And right. <laughs> it's just so funny, the slapstick. I Like, I recently saw a video of on TikTok of just like a toddler just watching like scenes from Home Alone 2 and just cracking <laughs> up <laughs> at just all the different cartoon violence that they're enduring it's just it's great with the kids slapstick is great we love a slapstick king (laughs) (laughs) i just want to point out the gasoline obviously i guess the gasoline or the the kerosene in the toilet trick is probably our favorite that's pretty safe to say yeah but i just also want to point out the acrobatics that Harry had to perform just to get himself into the toilet. Oh, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, good form, great form. It could be a workout. He looks too, so elegant. Like, he's like, you know, standing up on his on his hands, doing handstand on the toilet, and then just slowly lowering down, yeah, into the water, and then, <laughs> and he elegantly swooped himself onto that toilet too. Yeah, beautiful, great form. Ten out of ten. Also, you're dead. <laughs> uh, but yeah. We didn't really put it in a tier list, but you can't really do that on it's audio on anyway. Audio. So, yeah. All right. Uh, final thoughts, Jonathan. What do we got? Final thoughts. Lessons um, learned. If you will. Okay. Well, the takeaway, lessons learned, is the story that um, Kevin tells the pigeon lady in this about how I, the um his dad had gotten him a pair of skates as a present but he was like too scared to like use them mhm and they just sat in the box the whole time 
And by the time he was like brave enough to use them and take them out, he'd outgrown them. Yeah. So I feel like that was a good, good lesson for kids to like, you know, you got to take your chance because sometimes you lose your, you miss your opportunity. That is such a perfect illustration. I love it. Perfect lesson right there. Yep. If the rest of the movie sucked, if that was in it, that would make up for the whole movie. Yeah. But luckily it doesn't. But it also reminded me of the end of the Leave it to Beaver movie where like after he finally gets his bike back, (laughs) his dad asks him, so what are you going to do with your bike now? And he's like, oh, I'm not going to ride it. I'm going to keep it in my room where it's safe. (laughs) Just polishing it. (laughs) My lessons learned. Um, just don't go on vacation on Christmas. Just stay home. It's all so fun. Yeah. I mean, you're already saving. They already were saving money by uh, not going to Paris this year. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Let's just go to Miami instead. <laughs> I did have one final thought. Um, at the end of the movie, you hear um, the final shot is you hear Kevin's dad yelling from the hotel. And Kevin's all the way in Central Park and hears him. Uh, Kevin. Yeah. You spent $700 on room service, you know? (laughs) And I thought that was funny. I never thought of this before until I watched it this time, but like you never hear his dad yell or get mad. He's always so calm. Yeah. So like hear him yell seems like out of character for him. Cause in the first movie it's buzz where he's like, Kevin, what did you do to my room? Right. And you would believe that, but I don't know. I feel like that, that dad is too chill to be yelling like that. Yeah, <laughs> that was just something I thought about. Man, this movie is so formulaic, even in, obviously in content, but also like transitions and storytelling pieces. Yeah, because like that's exactly the same. I mean, but it's also part of the brand. They this came out in ninety two, the original one came out in nineteen ninety, so they're only two two years apart. So I mean. The first one was a smash, and they immediately greenlit it for a sequel yeah. and had to get it out before Macaulay Culkin became an adult. Hit puberty. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, it's one of those things where you have to get, you gotta, you gotta use the skates while, while they still fit. Right. That's what the whole movie's about, is being able to get another movie out of Macaulay Culkin. Although this movie is amazing, it is still probably one of the most copy and paste sequels. That's a term I just came up with. Copy and paste sequels. It's a copy and paste sequel mm-hmm. to the T. Yeah. And I, I'm not mad about it. I like it. So, um, and every little thing is just not original. It's different, but it's not trying to be original either. That's the thing. Yeah. So. And what makes it work still is you have a lot of the same players involved from the first one so you got the same director you got the same writer you got all the same cast so there's still a level of quality to this movie that is really good but at the end of the day a lot of elements are just copy and pasted from one to the other right is what it is and we still love it but jeremy that leaves us with one last thing to do here uh what is your letterboxed review of this movie for comparison, I give the first one a five out of five. For me, okay. the second one is a three and a half star. I was just going to say three five. But I de- we have the same exact idea. Three five. 
And that sounds bad, but it's really not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a bad. It's better than average, which is three. And I, and I said three and a half. I gave, I gave it an extra right. half. That's but good. Just so people don't think I'm mad at this movie, because I do like it. So yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for Home Alone 2. Uh, we'll probably continue the, the rest of the series, hopefully next year. Um, we'll see. We're making no promises. Uh, but uh, to continue the rest of this holiday season, we've got another staple for next week. And Jonathan, it's your turn. So give him a hint. You know, um, before I give my hint, I think it's funny that you use the phrase making no promises because that phrase was originated with the Home Alone episode that we was did. Was it really? I thought that was interesting. So this is a great way wow. to bookend Home Alone 2 here. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be covering another Christmas movie and specifically a very Christmas Day movie. You've got to watch it. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, specifically. Yeah. Here's a hint. The exact exchange and nuance of phrase in this ritual is very important. Huh, are you kidding? Stick my tongue to that stupid pole, that's dumb. That's because you know it'll stick. You're full of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah! Like double dog dare you! Now it was serious. A double dog dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares, the sinister triple really dog dare. I triple dog dare you! Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. All right, all right. Our show art was done by Bryce Bridgman, and you can find him on Instagram at GroovyBridge. Uh, and if you want to find us on Instagram, which we want you to, follow us on Instagram at InsideQuotesCast. Link is in the description. Uh, we are trying to get to at least 100 followers before the end of the year. So do it. Do it to it. Uh, and then if you want to support the show in any way, Christmas is coming up. I don't know if the shipping dates, deadlines are here yet or not, but uh, we've got all of the merch on our merch site. Perfect, perfect Christmas gift for your favorite person who also loves the show. So... And if, if the shipping dates aren't in time, I, I think most of our, you know, audience understands. You know, sometimes Santa Claus is a little bit late. Santa Claus don't make any promises that inside quotes won't keep. You know, that's a great point. <laughs> and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to leave us a good review. Uh, anybody that leaves a five-star review will be automatically entered for a shopping spree at Duncan's Toy Chest. So Ooh, that's a that's a great idea. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about our childhood just as much as we have. And if you did, make sure you hit subscribe or follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you don't miss out on a future episode. Until next week, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs>